Are you born and raised in Paris? Uh, no, no, no. I'm from like um, the countryside, like uh, in the middle of nowhere in France, like uh, oh, yeah. southwest. Um, so really far from Paris, and uh, just I ended up there because of the uh, the studies, etc. And uh, and because like uh, all the startup ecosystem is, is there as well. So if you want to start a company or something. Uh, have uh, access to engineers. Uh, this is uh, the place to be in France. Yeah, how does a countryside boy makes into crypto? Um, yeah, that's um, that's a good question. So, uh, first, um, in fact, I wanted to be a fighter pilot. Uh, pilot. So, um, I took my um, pilot's license in uh, there, uh, I trained to, to be a, a, a fighter pilot and it ended up that I was too short, in fact, like a 0.5 uh, centimeter, something like that. And I, I thought was you like, were supposed um, to be short, right? Isn't that, that a good thing that you can fit in the cockpit Yeah, but I'm really short. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, too good, man. <laughs> so... The the thing is like um, so I ended up in a, what we call um, uh, preparating school doing math physics etc and so that you can do before like uh, going into uh, the fighter pilot uh, uh, training and so um, so I knew that I couldn't do what I wanted to do but I was in preparating school so then I, I asked myself what I what I want to do and in fact like um, I think it grew in me like um, uh, the willingness of doing something uh, huge and, and great and have impact. And um, this is like the start of like uh, me willing to create a startup and uh, uh, create a company. Um, so first, it was not in the crypto sphere. So I did like some side project. Uh, I, um, I had ownership in the project like uh, in the surf industry. As well, I did like some scrapping on um, different uh, on uh, companies on the web. Um, so that was uh, during the studies, and also I was like learning about finance and economy, where I was finding like there was plenty of like I mean there there was like corruption, like uh, it was very opaque, uh, many problems, many inefficiencies, many like. Uh, unfairness, etc. And so, uh, and during my research, I found like uh, about uh, like cryptocurrencies, etc. Um, I think I bought a bunch, like uh, with my uh, uh, like uh, the, the little money I have at the time. I think I lost everything, <laughs> basically. Uh, it was like uh, maybe during the crash of 2017, something like that. Um, but it was amazing because like I realized that um, you could program in fact the entire financial system and maybe like in in, in very resilient trustless and transparent way and I thought that it was super powerful so that was the moment where I started like um, studying more and more. And then I, I get into like first like software development, doing uh, freelance missions. Also, I entered an engineering school on um, like uh, 
AI um, and, um, and yeah, uh, statistical uh, uh, statistics, sorry, etc. And so I did like AI software uh, software development for uh, as a freelancer, and then I started like uh, okay, I start like uh, learning about like uh, writing smart contracts, etc. And so um, I contributed to different projects such as like Common Stack, uh, Giveth, which is like a crypto donation platform. Like uh, on the side, like uh, just like um, a contributor um, um, and benevolent contributor. And and then after um, I uh, joined Clarus as an intern during the studies, and I was like a kind of a smart contract reviewer. And this is uh, the moment where I really learn about like finding bugs, writing smart contracts. I learned a lot during these um, those six months, and uh, also I try to um, uh, some hackathon, etc. And I really wanted to start a project in DeFi, um, so maybe in the lending space, etc. And during an hackathon, this is where I met Paul. Uh, I think at the time during this hackathon, he couldn't join because he he had an exam at that that moment. So unfortunately, we were not part uh, of the same team. But um, but yeah, on my side, I, uh, we won the hackathon. But I was fired by the team with another guy. We were fired because I wa- they said that I was a student, so I couldn't commit on weekends and. Um, so unfortunately, like I couldn't continue the project, but I think uh, I continue to to learn um, in the space, like uh, about the Linux Bay, what Avi and Compound were doing, etc. And then I think one day, like Paul called me and uh, say uh, he said to me, "Okay, I have a, I have an idea in the Linux space, um, and uh, do you want to join?" And in fact, it was like uh, the earliest. Um, idea of uh, the Morpho protocol, and I was like uh, searching for a project in the lending space, and I, I didn't have uh, any project at the time, so I was like, okay, I'm down, let's go, and uh, that was super cool. And we we started like I joined the, the uh, co- uh, core team at that moment, and we started like uh, writing the code, etc. So that was and why the lending space in particular from all the kind of facets of crypto, why did you feel like the landscape was attracting you in that way? Um, I think first is like, um, so first like uh, having a loan from a, a bank is like really, uh, uh, it's kind of, um, if you have the, the good um, CV or resume, it's okay for you. You can like uh, raise some debt and uh, like uh, uh, buy your house or like um, or your car or whatever. And I felt that um, this space, like uh, at least on the bank side, was like uh, really a pack. And like you don't know why uh, they agree or not on giving you uh, giving you the loan. And I feel that there was like a lots of things to do to reshape that in, in into a way that is much more much fairer for um, like uh, users. And uh, I really wanted to to change that. I think it was the earliest um, uh, thought in my head. 
Yeah, cool. And how did the Morpho concept come to emerge? So he called you up saying like, hey, I got an idea. Yeah. So um, for the stories, like um, Paul at that moment um, had some uh, uh, course on blockchain, like and uh, distributed systems uh, from the professor. And uh, that professor had two ideas, in fact. Um, so Morpho. Um, and uh, the second one is Mangrove, but which, uh, which by the way is like a, uh, a DeFi protocol um, that is uh, recently launched on Polygon, I think. And um, uh, Morpho was like, uh, okay, there's an inefficiency uh, on the in the Linux space on the Aave and Compound, uh, so there's a huge spread uh, between the supply rate and the borrow rate. And the basic idea was like. Okay, maybe we can like um, connect uh, directly connect users, uh, suppliers and borrowers, and uh, so that you reduce that inefficiency. And um, at the start, it was like, okay, I think it will be easy. Let's do it, etc. But we wanted something that uh, lies on the blockchain, that there is no option mechanism uh, that can fit in the block, whatever the conditions, etc. And so. In fact, we uh, faced like many um, technical problems that uh, we needed to solve. So it took like um, eight, one year, I'd say, uh, something like that, to come up, uh, come up to like uh, the version that is uh, uh, that is uh, that has been deployed. Yeah, I think many times that is the case where you're sort of naive when you start out you think you have an idea of what you're supposed to do, but then you start digging and then the more yeah. you dig, the bigger is the hole and it just feels like it never ends. Yeah. And yeah. did you guys bootstrap uh, the whole thing or did you get funding? Um, so we get funding um, just because like we didn't want uh, to deploy a protocol without any audit. Um, so first you need audit for that. And also there is like, uh, also the uh, legal setup, etc. So uh, Morpho Labs is like a, a French company and there is a, a French association. Everything is in France, but we needed to um, to like uh, build the legal setup that work in France. So from scratch, uh, so it costs a lot, but now we, it's possible now we have a DAO um, framework uh, for a French project. So that's a cool thing. And uh, we open source everything, but uh, but yeah, we needed fun funding uh, for for that at the very uh, beginning. So we raised funds from like BAs and uh, and uh, some VC companies in the space. And how was the process from getting funding? Because this is your first company, right? Um, so I I started other companies, uh, but I never raised funds. Um, and uh, uh, same for for Pulse, it it did try like many different projects. Um, but uh, he never raised funds uh, before, so it was the first time. It was not my part, to be honest. Um, but um, so we uh, rely on like uh, uh, one. Uh, uh, they call them uh, an incubator uh, that was called Adka. That has like uh, the network at the very beginning, and that uh, they did the uh, mini intro to some funds like uh, Semantic and Ascent, etc. And so, uh, and Semantic and Ascent were very helpful at the very beginning. Um, 
like uh, also Cherry, etc. So in fact, they open the network, and then after when you uh, have access to the network, uh, you just need to grind and and try to to have the like the the you have the inner circle, so you need to expand your uh, network uh, via the um, the VC companies that you already have. I imagine that it could be a bit stressful hiring other money and trying to make sure the protocol gets shipped and that it works uh, properly yeah. and it doesn't get hacked. So I remember like, um, so I think we stopped. So it, it was a bit, the, the I think it was 2021, something like that. So it was like the DeFi frenzy, like every project were uh, launching, like uh, doing like uh, uh, liquidity mining, whatever. And every project were uh, were like um, doing security reviews. So when we, I was ch- checking uh, the different uh, uh, audit companies, like uh, the timeline were okay. We have uh, we we can only book uh, in six months, something like that. And so at the time, like we had a few ideas occurred that was not working at all. Um, a nice front end something I, I mean you, you get you get the picture and um i think we booked um uh, 12 bits six months in advance and it was like 200k but before like uh taking that decision we were like should we do that if we don't like maybe we'll lose like six months of development uh because like uh if we wait for the thing to be completed uh then it would be too late and and I mean it was a very hard decision because it was the first time we had uh, uh, as much as money as uh, we had at that moment, and uh, and we needed to take like a, to say okay one fifth of the the fundraising will go there, and uh, maybe we won't uh, be in time or whatever we don't know how it will be uh, uh, how we will uh, end the thing and uh, yeah it was kind of stressful but we take the decision we uh we took the the risk and I, it was really worth it yeah imagine it'd be really stressful to spend that much money in advance and not knowing if you're gonna be in stage to actually go through yeah. the audit was it very last minute did you guys have a lot of spare time no yeah <laughs> yeah yeah to, to be honest yeah and uh, we did a bunch of audit uh before but like we've not uh like uh that were uh with companies that were not considered like tier one at the time um so it was like good feedback on the code base uh before that audit but uh for sure we were not ready at all and um yeah i think we learned a lot from that uh that first episode and um also what we did is like we did a big boot camp with the whole company at that moment like um like a, a big account like uh, i think we uh yeah we booked like a one month airbnb in the countryside and like i would say like everyone uh, that wants to join uh you can join if you don't want uh that's fine but if you join like uh, we'll work very very hard and um it was really really intense and the thing is like uh, the month was dedicated to focus entirely on like receiving the audit, fixing the issues, and then shipping the protocol. And um, because it was super intense, like uh, everyone was like, okay, let's do it. 
um, it creates something that was super powerful, and I think it really helped us, like uh, keeping that um, and uh, being on time. And it was really, really great. Uh, really, uh, really yeah, that cool. sounds so cool. I bet you would create a lot of bonding like this as well, right? Just yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like, those lots of people uh, remember that moment. Like, uh, okay, it was super cool, and like. Uh, each time we release a new protocol or like um, um, we want to, to to ship something and there's like a hard deadline uh, before an audit, something like that, uh, we like to um, to do that kind of thing, like a big boot camp. Um, I don't know if, we, it's, if it's sustainable on the long term because the, the bigger we are, uh, the more money it costs you to the company. But uh, um, at least uh, it, it was really, uh, really great at that. It was really great. Yeah, I imagine so. I imagine it would be super fun as well when you have everyone in it and everyone is kind of like living the same reality on the same boat. Yeah. That sounds like it would be a way better to get alignment and in the company and trying to just create yeah, a sense everyone of is breathing that... is is breathing more full at the at that moment uh so it's really really cool but of course like um uh, it's also draining a lot of energy so you can't do that uh for a year or something like that like uh, after um like uh, people want to to, to rest etc take uh, take some time uh, outside uh, the moth labs because to, just like it's super uh, exhausting yeah yeah for sure i imagine you need a few weeks of break after going that hard for you know a month or something yeah on our side, like and, court team, we, we don't really take break but <laughs> because maybe it's kind of a drag but uh, but yeah uh, but what is Morpho in the first place? So, yeah, there's two two versions now of Morpho. Uh, in fact, maybe for the little story, what's called Morpho is like, um, Morpho is a butterfly. So um, first it's uh, in a, it's a caterpillar, caterpillar. then it's uh, evolved in the chrysalis, and then it metamorphoses in, into a um, a great butterfly and um that was the initial storytelling and the first version like Morph that we call Morph optimizer was where the uh caterpillars were in fact um real realized that there was an inefficiency in the landing protocol that at, at that time and then um the 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 thing the goal of those optimizers were to fill that gap and feel that inefficiency, uh, think that, and also prove that uh, prove that Morpho Labs is capable of like shipping a project that can um, bring hundreds uh, uh, of millions or even billion into the protocol uh, that can ship like safe protocols and and that that are usable and uh, used by users and also answering real needs. So that's uh, what uh, really the first version was uh, is doing, and then the second version is like taking the so we've spent two years building the morph optimizers and like uh, maintaining them, and so it's at the same time like the third largest learning protocol on Ethereum, but also it's like uh, 
uh, the biggest users on those uh, on both the biggest biggest users of those uh, underlying lending protocols. So we learn a lot for, uh, on both sides, like how to build the lending protocol and how to integrate the lending protocol and what are the limits, uh, what are the inefficiencies, uh, what are the risks uh, of like building on top of uh, the um, uh, existing lending platforms. And so we learned a lot and we came up with uh, what um, is now. Uh, so we released uh, recently Mouthful Blue and this is a condensed version uh, and um, uh, we condense like every learning that we have uh, from those two years into that uh, lending uh, lending protocol uh, that uh, is uh, uh, would be a lending pr primitive on top of which um, layers of um, uh, permissionless risk management layers and and other layers can be uh, be built on top of. So, what is the main difference between maybe not difference, but what does Morpho Blue build upon exactly like what are those learnings that you guys collected along all those years what is the the big improvement from morpho to morpho blue so um yeah first i think what avi and compound super great is like um by um gathering all the liquidity in one pot and um Managing it is like uh, you offer like a super UX for users because yeah, you can supply withdrawal instantly. Uh, you have you provide like a very passive um, experience, so uh, that's great. But uh, it's at the expense of the um, systemic risk of the whole uh, platform. Why? Because like each time you add an asset, because it's not isolated. Um, uh, you need to come up with like risk parameters that are taking into account every asset that have been already deposited. And also, uh, because you need to take into account all those parameters, usually those parameters are like less optimized. Um, and so, um, also because the collateral can be, um, uh, can be, uh, borrowed. Um, you need to lower like uh, loan to value liquidation threshold to keep liquidity in the protocol, which make it uh, less efficient. So you can't you can't really loop a uh, lot of time, etc. Also, you have all those risk parameters to um, update uh, and to monitor. And um, what we count is like there's 500 uh, risk parameters to monitor uh, each day, and so it has a lot of a, a huge cost, cost on the um, on Ave on the Ave DAO because like you need to pay risk risk expert to monitor those risk parameters that are updated in like a kind of opaque way, um, and um, and if you mess up with one of those parameters, maybe the entire pool can like just blow up. Uh, so we you really want to make sure that uh, those parameters are, are correct. And um, and also, it's like um, one size, one risk parameter fits all. So if you can have Alice the DJ and Bob, like uh, maybe the uh, family's father uh, <laughs> that just want to uh, earn a, a bunch of yield on his uh, USDC, uh, they basically have the same risk profile on Aave. 
So you can't have uh, granular uh, risk profiles. And on our side, like, because it's, it's those pr protocols have like a really huge code base with like many features and uh, many edge cases. Like uh, when you change a parameter or something like that, if you're on top, like you need to make sure that every decision that is taken is is correct and to understand what are the consequences. And when you're living on top, if you feel the pain, in fact, to like also adapt to these changes, pose at the same time, etc., etc. And what we realize is that like this way of doing that is not scalable. It's um, it's if at some point if you add too many assets, it will blow up. Um, of uh, also on our side, like we didn't want to monitor everything. We want to sleep well at night, etc. Uh, so that might be another argument, um, but we realize all those uh, things, and what we uh, decided to do is like to have really a primitive that is like dedicated to only doing the accounting, and then externalize the risk management to another layer on top, and that if decision are taken on that layer on top, it does not affect the primitive. And so, and and really writing that primitive in the way that it's built to be built on top, and the, that is clearly trustless, that can't be upgraded. There's no risk parameter that can be updated uh, from day one day to another, and so that is like a much more reliable, and uh, that is agnostic to any dependency or whatever. And uh, this is really what uh, we wanted to do with that uh, version. And how did you guys decouple one of the other one? Yeah. So uh, how uh, how Muffle Blue works is like uh, basically it's like uh, you can uh, permissionlessly create any market that you want, and you specify um, so one collateral asset, one loan asset. Um, one oracle and one interest rate model, and also one risk parameters, uh, which is like the uh, what we call the LLTV, uh, which basically tells you like how much you can borrow um, uh, against your collateral and loan to value uh, ratio, right? Yeah, um, and so the collateral stay idle. So Bitcoin seems like maybe a less uh, a bit less inefficient compared to Aave where your collateral can be borrowed. But it unlocked the thing that because the collateral uh, is, um, is, uh, cannot be borrowed, there's no problem of like during a liquidation, you need to access that collateral so that liquidation can work. So because it's all, uh, always accessible. So you can have LLTV that are much, much higher. And so, which makes like borrowing much more efficient against your collateral. Um, and each market are, uh, is isolated from one another. So um, you can create whatever market that you want. It, it won't affect any other market. And this is super powerful um, compared to, to Aave and much more scalable. So now if you want to list real-world asset, bonds as collateral, uh, any long tail asset. In fact, you can just pick the, the uh, an oracle, 
you can uh, set the LLTV that you uh, think is is good and deploy that market. And uh, that's really, really powerful. And it does not affect the, the, rest, uh, the rest of the protocol. The downside of that is like, uh, obviously, if you have like isolated assets, you have the liquidity uh, fragmentation. And this is where uh, we are thinking uh, about um, a more blue uh, of like, you have the primitive if you have different layers on top of that. So you can see that like uh, like uh, the internet where you have the, the um, SMTP or IP protocols. And on top of that, you have some layers like Gmails or whatever uh, that are on top and that um, uh, recreate like a better UX. And this is something that we'll announce uh, really soon, but basically um, a layer on top that allows risk managers um to create kind of like a, a vault uh, where you can uh recreate the ave ux or compound ux but the risk management is at the vault level and it's like uh, the vault that is managing on which market um uh, the funds user funds will be deposited of course if you're like an expert lending uh, um, uh lender uh, you can directly use the primitive uh but or like a, some someone that is searching for like a, a more passive experience. Uh, Bob the I father. Think, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it will turn more toward to like a, a, the vault that are run by um, uh, by risk managers. And by the way, it creates the kind of um, a bankable business for those risk managers because uh, previously they were servicing a DAO. And so uh, if the DAO... And that's not so many DAOs first. And if the DAO decides to like uh, uh, stop working with them, they uh, they don't have many other uh, other clients. And here that can spawn their own votes and like compete with others, like in terms of like fees that they take or like um, service that they provide. Maybe they can speci- specialize like lending against like real uh, world asset as collateral or bonds or whatever, and uh, you can recreate, uh, kind of, um, uh, you unlock some businesses on top of the primitive, in fact. So this can be super powerful. And because it's really general, like you can have like a really huge network effect. So they work in the, let's say, kind of like a router or a gauge layer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I find it cool that it's also, pro, sorry, it's a Oracle agnostic. So how did yep. you guys implement that? We are not making uh, lots of um, assumption. Just we are waiting for price with a, a specific uh, scale and uh, a price of the collateral asset in the debt, uh, in the loan asset. And, and that just it. And um, after on the collateral side, what you can do though is like um, having like some guardrails. Like I don't know if you use uh, Uniswap v3 Twap or whatever. Um, maybe you want to um, you have some parameters to update like the the, the time period you, you you want to compute your Twap or whatever. Um, the first one that we uh, will release is uh, a chaining oracle. Uh, because it's like the much uh, most widespread spread. So 
will build that oracle that is quite uh, quite general because like uh, it covers like many use cases. Um, but uh, but we are I think we'll explore more and more uh, different oracles type uh, and uh, maybe for for specific use cases. Like I don't know if you want to have like some bonds on chain, etc. So you need I think chaining is covering some, but uh, sometimes you need like some custom oracle. And here you can have um, like an entity uh, that can like uh, that wants to bring some asset on chain and that want to create a custom oracle. They can do that, and um, and uh, this uh, this is a cool thing of having like a, an agnostic. Um, uh, the, the possibility of like uh, listing any oracle. There's also a way um, without a bit of that. There's also a way of creating creating market uh, without oracle, such as like maybe in the way of Ashna, etc. Um, maybe it could be a bit more, a bit less e efficient because like uh, it's not entrained in the protocol itself. But um, but there are ways to to do it, I think, and it would be cool to see like uh, if if someone comes up uh, with the, the idea of uh, doing it and implementing it, uh, I would uh, really uh, like to 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 see it. Yeah, that would be cool. And are there any other places where you see opportunity for innovation uh, that is currently lacking? Uh, there are plenty of innovation top of uh, blue because it's very general. Like you can create many strategies, like many different vaults. Um, uh, also, there are cool things like there's a fl uh, free flash loan um, that will would type uh, would tap into the the whole liquidity of the protocol. So not only one market. So I think you can like allow. Um, users, liquidators, etc., to have access to a lot of liquidity and it's super efficient. Also, we have like some callbacks um, that can like, during a liquidation, you don't really need to have like um, uh, the loan asset. You can just get the collateral, swap it, and then repay. Um, and we have that on the supply and supply collateral as well. Um, so you can instantly leverage your position. Um, with, a, with just a swap and with no flash on. So that's the cool thing. So I think it will also unlock like many use cases on top of blue. Um, I think, as I say, like, um, because it's very general, like uh, it creates a, the opportunity to create a vault uh, on top of, of that and to aggregate liquidity users. But also I think it's really way more, way easier than previously to create like um, stable rate um, um, protocols on top of Morpho Blue because it's much more like everything is like um, permissionless and uh, also trustless. So no owner, uh, the owner cannot modify market. So like uh, you remove lots of trust assumptions and um, I think it will uh, really ease like the developer experience for building like new solutions on top of Blue. So yeah, stable rate, uh, leverage, uh, strategies, uh, all those kind of things will be much easier. And you mentioned that there is not a lot of trust assumptions, is it governance minimized? What does that mean yeah. in practical terms? What can you guys change? What can you guys not change? 
So let's say on yeah. a rugability, rugability scale from like zero to 10, where does Morpho fall? Yeah. So, um, so first I think like, as I said, um, I already, uh, told you about like, uh, uh, the difficulty we had with like uh, being on having compound, maybe I can dive uh, deeper into that, but, uh, because it's upgradable and like, yeah, uh, you can pose things, etc. We have many episodes where we needed to jump into the middle of the night or whatever and like try to, oh, uh, they put that, um, we need to pose that as well, or like we just needed to. Uh, at any time, anticipate what the um, uh, the underlying uh, platform would do. Um, and it, like some events happen, like I remember Compound upgraded their Oracle, but it was failing on uh, the ETH asset because like uh, the C ETH is a, a little bit different from the other C tokens. And basically, it falls it it falls the uh, Compound Compound protocol for a week. Or at least all users uh, that had um, some uh, ETH as collateral, and obviously, like uh, the compound optimizer had some <laughs> ETH as uh, collateral. So basically, our protocol was frozen for a week just because the underlying protocol did a mistake. Um, also, when you have the CRV episode or like a USDC DPEG, etc., you have like uh, AVE or compound that are posing their system. Um, to prevent any issue, but um, because like everything is, as I say, like everything is pulled and like you have a system request, uh, you need to pause. And on our side, you we needed to also to pause, but in advance, and also do a few things, uh, checks uh, to make sure that everything is uh, uh, they are taking the right decisions, etc. And um, this is like very very exhausting. So, uh, to uh, what was the question already? <laughs> I don't remember exactly. Uh, we were talking about the aspect of being having the governance minimized, not being yeah. upgradable. Like, and what? So, how exactly? Like, what are the privileges that you guys don't have, or yeah. the ones you guys have? We think that uh, we just need to reduce the, uh, the maximum the uh, governance power to make like uh, the uh, life of like builders on top very uh, uh, like easier. And so what the DAO can do, like, as I said, it can enable interest rate models, uh, enable um, LLTVs. If it's not enabled, you can't choose uh, whatever LLTVs and whatever interest rate model. It can set the fee recipient um, so the fee recipient is global and it can set the, the, the fee and the fee is per market. Um, so you can have one market with fee and, and one, uh, another market that has no fee. Um, I think that's all. Could you set any amount of fee or is there a cap to the fee? No, there's a cap. Uh, it's capped to 20%, something like that. So, which is, um, basically, um, I think Ave is taking at at much like twenty five percent something like that, um, and so yeah, we we capped it to twenty percent, and um, on the fee activations like uh, the, the 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 code can be free uh, fork etc. So 
um, yeah, there's there's no way for the owner to uh, change the market. Uh, so once the market in in as like a you know that there's this collateral asset, those risk parameters, this variable, etc. You're sure that one hundred percent that uh, that market will stay uh, as it is, and uh, which is like um, I think really really powerful compared to existing uh, solutions. Yeah, I agree. One of the downsides of immutable code is obviously if there's anything wrong with it, you can't really upgrade it. You can't really patch yeah. bugs, and you guys have integrated uh, external protocols like Aave, like we were just mentioning, and they can be very tricky as well. So how does the security side of things look like, taking all those things into account? Mm. So, yeah, definitely having uh, an immutable protocol means that you can't do any mistake and you can't fix it. Uh, so you need to be right at the first try. Uh, or um, later on, having the the capacity of like migrating all the liquidity instantly, um, but it, this is very hard. So it's better to to be uh, to be right the first try. So give, uh, knowing that, uh, we decided that uh, we wanted something that has like strictly the only required features. So uh, no uh, feature that. Uh, could be used, uh, but we don't really know, etc. So uh, we really wanted to focus on, uh, like it's a, a bit like eighty twenty. So just uh, focus on what's very very uh, really important, and having like also the uh, simplest uh, simplest um, code base uh, for the primitive at least. And after for uh, layers on top, you you can have like uh, some more complexity because like you isolate um, um, uh, the the goal of those different uh, letting, um, uh, of those different layers, and so uh, each layer is like focusing on one specific thing, and so you is isolate um, the the goal, and it's much more easier to to have like a uh, something that is simple compared to having everything into one place where you want to add feature one, feature two, plus five, but it, uh, yeah, it, it complexifies a lot. So yeah, we really focused on like um, um, having a simple code base. We, we dedicated a lot of time into like debates and discussions to make sure that each feature that is in Blue, now we are quite confident that we can um, we have the argument uh, to justify everything and uh, every lines of code. And uh, that's, uh, that was uh, the important thing. It is really hard to make things simple. It's, uh, it's deceptively hard to try and pack the functionality that you want in the most succinct way, right? I imagine you have to go through many rounds of rewriting things until you get them right. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how, how many hours we we spend like just debating, discu de, uh, and, and like, uh, like talking about like even tiny things, and uh, and I think we we did a great job at the end of the day because like we on, only have like um, six hundred fifty lines of code, uh, which is not that much, 
obviously the the protocol in the end is not it's quite it's kind of simple um but i think like what is great is like it's doing everything that we wanted to um to provide and uh, to allow for like builders on top uh but at the same time it's like we wanted like um the code is is like a, an article or like a a book like you can read it linearly and um there's not so many questions that you ask yourself it's like kind of i think uh, quite simple to understand and uh, quite simple to review to audit and this is really something that we wanted to 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 have so for those discussions i imagine you guys went through many internal security reviews but it's a bit hard to conduct the internal security review because you have all this bias so how do you go about running that sort of thing so so first we have in fact we have two teams we have the on-chain team that i'm leading and the the protocol team that is more um research focused and so each time we ship uh so first um every uh, contract that we ship are reviewed by everyone uh, in the team that can like uh, code in solidity obviously and um, and so if the protocol team is writing a contract or the on-chain uh, team uh, is writing a contract then the other team will review it and usually it's like um, they are not part of the development so they come they have the context but they don't have like uh, assumptions on the code um so it's kind of a red team uh internal red team so that's kind of really cool to spot early bugs um of of course like rely a lot on 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 testing etc fuzzing uh, um uh, also formal verification uh so we spend a lot of time like uh, doing that but uh we have those internal reviews. Also, we have a bunch of uh, freelancers. Uh, we know um, also advisors and uh, people in like the different um, investors that have like security researchers. And so usually what we do is like uh, we trigger them um, before the, the code is finalized uh, to, to, to conduct like external security reviews. So this is really... Um, um, really useful to have like external external reviewers and um and of course after we did uh, we do audits uh we don't ship a we don't ship a contract when we uh that we are not confident that is like 100 percent uh, safe and um, that's kind of a motto that we have so if after like i don't know um we say let's say um uh, we'll do like two edits for that protocol. If if after the second edit uh, we are not confident uh, shipping it, uh, we'll do a third one. And um, obviously you need to have the money for for that. So if you're running out of money, uh, um, I guess you can't really do that. Uh, but if you have, uh, I think it's really important to to be like confident that uh, the code uh, that you're shipping is like uh, is, is bulletproof, even if it's it's hard and maybe there's still a bug, but uh, I think it's important to to be uh, confident about that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because if you get hacked, everything goes down the drain, right? Everything you worked yeah. so hard for, <laughs> everything is yeah, finished. Yeah. 
yeah, and so I saw you guys have been audited by a few different firms and apparently looking yep. to do an auditing contest soon. Do you yeah, guys maybe. ever work with like solo auditors? How does the, the layering of security look like for you? Um, so uh, we did not try uh, solo auditors, but as I said, like we have many advisors. Um, so it's kind of solo, edi solo auditors. Um, but definitely, um, I think we'll try. So uh, on my side, like I really think, uh, so what I wanted to do is like, uh, we work with many different audit companies and I really wanted to have like a kind of a mental benchmark of what the level of the different audit companies, what the level of the teams and uh, what uh, uh, how that audit companies, uh, how it, uh, it is working, uh, what's compared to the other one, etc. So now I have that mental model uh, in my head, so it's quite uh, it's quite powerful to be honest. Um, and what we do is like, uh, as I say, like uh, usually we spend a lot in the design process first. Um, I think it's really important because like uh, most of the time, if you don't add all the features that you have in mind, first you uh, reduce a lot the attack surface of your contract. And um, this is one thing I I think is neglected in, in the in the space is like um, we may see we may see too much the smart contract as like pro web to product like web to websites where you can like add a button there add a button there um, like uh, I don't know like plenty of features then even if it's not used and and then it like the complexity grows exponentially because of that. And then you ended, uh, you end up with like a, a small mistake that just break everything. Uh, and, and in general, like a dumb things like uh, reentrancy or whatever. And so I think first, like uh, spending a lot of time, like uh, in the, uh, on the design, like removing all the features that aren't needed uh, or that may be needed, but are, are not really asked. Uh, maybe it's cool for a V2 and just wait for the feedback on the V1, but uh, let's not introduce them in the V1. Um, so design first, and then after, of course, like write, um, writing with like uh, unit test, integration tests, um, also environments, uh, fuzzing. Um, we do also ver formal verification. So that's cool if you have like a, a math guy um, that can do it it's really powerful really strong to at least make sure that some invariants are not broken um, uh, so it's quite important as well and then after um, internal reviews um, I make sure that every developers in the uh, in the company has reviewed every single contract that are shipped and I think it's really really important to have that because the more you ship um, the more contract you have, the more um, maintenance uh, you you need also for some of those contracts. And uh, if people uh, go change uh, change from one company to another, etc., um, you lose like the knowledge. So I want to make sure that every person that enters Marvel Labs like has reviewed every single contract that have been shipped, and will review every contract that will be shipped. 
uh, I think it's really, really important to build that um, that uh, capital of knowledge. Um, and so we have all those uh, those internal and external reviews. And then after, um, once we are confident that the code is kind of frozen, etc., we uh, go for edits. Uh, usually we do uh, multiple edits sequentially so that we can iterate, uh, collect feedbacks and, and uh, f uh, do the fixes and do the second edits, et cetera, And for each particle we do, we did like about two or three edits at least. Um, and for blue, um, so right now we are working with, uh, we've been working a lot with Spurbit because I really enjoy working with them. Um, they're, they have a really, really strong team. So uh, we also are working with OpenZP right, right now. And um, yeah, we are, I think we'll do a contest um, in um, in November. I think it will be a really great uh, big announcement. Um, so I, I won't say any alpha for now, but uh, we are pre preparing uh, something cool. Um, so and it will be the first time um, that will do an uh, audit contest. Uh, this is something I wanted to do, but um, but it's been months that we didn't ship uh, anything. So uh, now I've, I've the, the opportunity to, to try the, the contest. I think it would be really cool. Yeah, I think that all those layers of security guys have, it's like amazing. It's pretty much the security dream pipeline. You get many audits, you only ship when you feel like it's really solid and you have the luxury to make sure that you hire the best people to do it. And yeah, that's pretty cool. And I really like the sort of branding and visuals that you guys have. How did that concept um, came up? Like the whole butterfly, uh, blue vibe yeah, that you guys um... have? <laughs> um, just like... Um... I think uh, so. At the start, really start like uh, the logo. Yeah. By the way, it's it's my girlfriend that did the logos. <laughs> Maybe I'm a bit biased, but uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the logo. Um, but now we have like um, a graphic designer that uh, she's really really great, and I think we'll release more and more things, more animations. Um, now she's handling the thing. It's and it's really strong. So. We wanted like now the brand to to feel strong, reliable, and also like a, a bit like magical, and um, and I think we'll go more and more toward like those kind of shape of blue that are like uh, evolving and and, uh, and and maybe some forms and the the, the white and the black, um, yeah, I don't know, and the blue is like. Um, yeah, we try to replicate. In fact, the Morpho is the name of the butterfly that is blue. So I don't know if you saw that uh, that butterfly, but it's just beautiful, and uh, it's like uh, the source of inspiration of the, the the branding that we are trying to to put in place, um, slowly, uh, slowly but surely. Yeah, I know. I love it. I think a lot of projects have very poor branding and in my very non-expert opinion i think your branding is pretty sick um, so <laughs> cool, if you're... thank you we have like yeah, a lots uh... of uh cool feedback on, on the shirt on the t-shirt etc 
basically it's just a t-shirt with like just one small butterfly <laughs> like kind of i i don't know like apple spirit uh but yeah but we like is like simplicity minimalist things uh don't do too much but um but do things well can i get myself one of those shirts or can i get one Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think we have uh, some left. Uh, some left. Just DM me. I try to. Uh, oh hell try yeah! To find you some. <laughs> nice. Oh man, it's been a pleasure having you here. It was a lot of fun talking to you. I'm really keen to see what other features the guys come out with. Yeah, yeah. We'll ship a lot uh, in the coming uh, weeks and months. So that that will be cool. I really appreciate the 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 call as well. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much.